When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anytime. Anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Welcome back, fight fans. Boxing is finally back on your screens, and we're so excited to talk about it in this episode. All the news and the gossip and the fights that have been on over the past 24 to 48 hours. Really excited to be back. Of course, before we get into it, please go and check us out on social media at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, and the Facebook page is the BTR Boxing Podcast Network, where you can check out all our other series, including the career profiles, the darker side of boxing, legendary nights, and ones to watch. Johnson, how good is it to actually sit here and say we can actually talk freely about boxing again? Oh, it's, it's brilliant. It really is. I, I couldn't be happier to be honest with you. It's been a long wait, and it, it's great that uh, Top Rank managed to get a night out for us, and... Uh, uh, I, although I didn't stay up too early as I wanted to watch it, I did, I did uh, watch back on it the next day. Uh, but oh, it's just brilliant. It really is great to have boxing back, and hopefully now slowly these shows can start building up and we'll get back to the normal routine. Obviously, behind closed doors. Of course, of course, we're going to touch a lot about how the future is going to look for for boxing, how it's going to look for small hall shows, what the announcements have been in the past 24 hours. Of course, that's the big one that everybody is talking about at the moment. That's kind of overshadowing the fact that boxing is actually back on the screens. Of course, we're going to talk about the show on Tuesday night from Top Rank. There's also obviously a show going on as we record this episode, so we're not going to be able to discuss the results of that particular show, but we will touch on the fights that are happening, probably give our predictions in the episode. And we'll see how they pan out, of course. But I think the first thing I want to speak about with you, Johnston, with being away for for so long from these types of episodes, is the fact that at the start of the year, we did our wish list. One of them fights on that wish list now has been announced in the past 24 hours. Anthony Joshua has supposedly signed a two-fight deal to fight Tyson Fury. At some point, we don't know when it's going to be, 
We don't know where it's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be for all the titles, if there's going to be any managers that they need to have first, of course. But all we know is that apparently a deal has been struck for the two competitors to get in the ring for an all-British, undisputed World Heavyweight Championship bout. I mean, amazing. Uh, that was music to my ears when I see that uh, yesterday. And uh, I couldn't be happy. And it is, it's, it's the wish list we, we put together. Obviously, we stuck that in there. In, in, that was our top of our wishes. But in, in what we thought was going to happen, we thought it was probably going to happen next year if it was to happen. And it looks like with, with what's happened with the virus and, and the whole world has obviously been locked down at times. Um, it, hopefully, that these, as in, I'm talking about the promoters, as in Warren, as in uh, Hearn, I've decided that actually, you know what, maybe it's time we should just get this fight on. There's been a delay now. You know, they both, well, I think Anthony would have been fighting probably, what, next couple of weeks or so, wouldn't he? So he was yep. fighting this month, I believe. Yep. Um, and obviously, Joshua um, and um, Fury would have fought, or he, was, he would have actually fought already, would he not? To be honest, I can't remember the dates, but either way, I'm hoping that they've realised that, you know what, let's not the wild fight on here. Let's just get this one on. Um, and Joshua, obviously, his other fight has been postponed, so oh, it's brilliant. I mean, I mean, the thing is, is I just don't know with Eddie. I mean, Eddie said obviously oh, the quotes he's got on here is we're making great progress. Uh, there's still a lot to overcome. We are looking at venues and dates, and he did also mention the mandatory of Dillian White as well in there. So whether that will happen this year, I'm not so sure. I would see it as maybe Joshua will have his fight. Hopefully, they've not Wilder on the head and Dillian White fight Fury. I mean, that would be brilliant. I'd love that. I'd love that for Dillian. Uh, but, I mean, I mean, look, what, uh, the trouble is with, with Eddie Hearn is he can sell a broom to a witch. So, uh, you know, him, he will sell it as much as he can and then it falls short. So, I'm not going to fall into that that situation I did with, with Joshua Wilder when I thought that was going to happen. Because I was reading too much about what Eddie was saying. So, I'm not going to jump on it just yet in, in hope Look, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm hoping it will. As long as people will get beat, if they have to fight one more time. But the fact they're discussing it is music to my ears. It's music to my ears as well. But the big issue is what you've explained there is that there are so many obstacles to overcome. First of all, yeah. you've got the obstacles of the mandatories, which were Pulev, which was supposed to be happening this month in June, and then Wilder three with Fury was supposed to be happening around about July time. Now. That's not been confirmed as to when it's going to happen. The speculation is that's going to happen over Christmas time. There was even speculation of it happening on Christmas Day or Boxing, which would be quite interesting to see how that would play out. Now, we we spoke about this after Fury absolutely decimated Wilder in February. We spoke about how we didn't really want to see that third fight happen, but if there's an obligation in the contract for it to happen, of course, it has to happen. The same with Pulev fighting Anthony Joshua. Them fights have to happen first, of course, then we'll accept it as long as they happen this year and it's done and dusted by the end of this year. So early next year, we can get this mega fight, this history-making fight. We said at the wish list at the start of the year that we want this mega fight. It'd be the biggest fight in British boxing history without a shadow of a doubt. We want it. We want it so bad as boxing fans. We want it. The casuals want it. The hardcores want it. We need to get the fight on. And the fact that they're making good progress, as they say is really positive because boxing politics has played a big part in the heavyweight division for many, many years. And over the past couple of years in particular, as you mentioned with Joshua and Wilder, it's stopped us having some of them big fights. Fury Wilder has been the biggest fight of the heavyweight division for, for a long time. 
and now the potential of Fury versus Joshua or Joshua versus Fury, however they put it on the poster, of course, is going to be <laughs> probably the biggest fight in, in heavyweight boxing for God knows how long. I couldn't even think off the top of my head anything that's bigger in the past 30 years. I mean, Lewis versus Tyson in 2002, was that bigger? For a spectacle, yes, but really, were they, were they at their best? No, they both weren't at their best. So this is prime for prime. This is what we want in boxing. We want fighters in their prime fighting each other. And really, we've not really seen many big fights like this. Maybe Evander Holyfield, Riddick Bowe, which we did for Legendary Knights recently. That, that was in the prime. But there's not been many heavyweight fights aside from Fury Wilder recently that have happened. So really, we want to get this fight on. And that's what everybody wants. And I'm really hoping that this happens for us next year. It's very likely to be probably March, April next year if it is going to happen. But there are too many obstacles for me at the moment that make me think a little bit negatively about the fact that is it really, really going to happen or not? Yeah, I'm with you. I really don't know. I mean, we've got the fact that they've drafted these two fights for 2021 uh, and both guys are in agreement. The structure of the deal has been put forward and agreed... By both parties, I, I mean it sounds it sounds great. It really does when, I'm, when you read it and, and what what Eddie's saying here. Um, it really does. It, it's it's really great to hear. And but obviously, I mean it, it's just a matter of the fact is is these, these mandatory fights and, and whether they can get through them. Um, I mean, I'm sure Fury for me after he decimated Wilder, I, I, I'm expecting the same thing. Um, and and the same with with Joshua. Well, Pulev, I, I would expect Joshua to get through that. And then obviously then you've got the obstacle of Dillian White, who's obviously going to be a mandatory challenger for the WBC title. So that's going to, that's meant to be happening in 2021 as well. So that's going to be another problem. Will, will White become an issue? Um, I believe that, look, they both have one fight and then they can fight one fight next year. I'm hoping, I'm, I'm hoping the fight will be in England. It's the biggest fight ever. As you say, both in their primes, there will never be two Brits fighting for undisputed heavyweight title. I think this. It, I don't think there will ever be another time. We'll, we'll probably have to wait several years. If not, it may not ever have, ever, ever happen again. So it has to happen. Um, it's just it's just got to happen. And and, and where's it going to be? I'm assuming the first one will be here, and then maybe the second. You can imagine sort of swanning off to somewhere like Saudi Arabia, which is something they discussed. I'm hoping it's not Saudi Arabia and then over here. Um, but uh, it's just mouthful, and it really is. And 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 I just. It, just, just to get that feeling again about the, the feel of a big fight coming up and talking about a big fight has just really got the adrenaline down for me um, and it makes me just realise how much I've missed active boxing. So I think it's uh, a good point to move on and talk about the top rank show which happened on Tuesday night or the early hours of Wednesday morning for us in the UK of course. As you Johnston, I didn't stay up for the full card. I did watch the first fight which uh, I did thoroughly enjoy. And I enjoyed seeing the guys back in the ring. I enjoyed the feel of of boxing being back on the telly. It was obviously a strange affair with all the presenters, Tim Bradley, Andre Ward, Joe Tessitore, all being on on like a conference-type Zoom call, you know, doing the punditry for it. But at the end of the day, they've got to adapt. If it's going to work, they've got to adapt. And I think they adapted pretty well, to be honest with you. I think people have missed boxing so much that, to be honest, I think they'd accept anything at the moment, regardless of how lower the standards are. But I don't think the standards were lower for that. I think, obviously, it's not going to be the same without a live audience there. 
But it was good to see the fighters back in action. And uh, the first fight I actually got a chance to watch live uh, was Robbie C. Ramirez, the 2012-2016 Olympic gold medalist, get that first round knockout over his opponent, Yuri Andrua. And I was just excited to see you know, what the future holds for a guy like Ramirez, who obviously was an absolute amateur standout, winning two gold medals, and goes on to get that first round victory. People might say it was a bit of a washout and his opponent wasn't great. He was five and three, but at the end of the day, you know, it's boxing, boxing's back. We want to see these guys be active in the ring. And Ramirez, is he going to make waves in the featherweight division? I'd like to see him in, in some big fights. With the type of career he had in the amateur side of this, I think there should be fast-tracking him, to be honest with you. I think it's the only time I'll ever save a fighter should be fast-tracked. But I think the way they did with Lomachenko, because of how special he is of a fighter, they was able to fast-track him into a world title shot in his second fight, which he lost to Salido. But I think Ramirez, although he's obviously lost and got that loss on his record, it was in his first fight against Adnan Gonzalez. For me, he's come back with three KO victories now, and he's showing that he's totally ready for the big leagues. And I think it's time that they stepped this guy up. Now... Just going back to yourself then, Johnston, obviously Ramirez, standout amateur, gold medals, 2012, 26, gets a first round washout. What do you make of him? Well, sometimes I like the fact that a fighter loses his first fight. We've seen it when we've done our career profiles on Legendary Nights with many, many great fighters that have lost their their debuts um, and, and struggled early on. So um, the fact that he was a highly decorated amateur, I mean, he, he got the gold medal by beating... Chekhov Stevenson as well in the final and picked up the silver uh, in the 2016 Olympics. So, you know, he's got, he's got great pedigree. Um, you know, three and one. I think, I think that loss has just, it just may have just made him realise that the programme is different to amateurs and, and he needs to maybe slightly adjust. Um, I mean, he, he, the great thing is that he's won by knockout in his next three fights. It's interesting. He's in the featherweight division, a great division. I love the division. He's Cuban. Uh, it's great to see a Cuban turnover. A lot of the Cubans will stay in uh, the amateur games and continue with the Olympics. So it's nice to have Ramirez come over. And I think he's a guy that's definitely got great potential. I mean, he even said after the fight, my pro debut is long behind me. And uh, that's good to hear. So really fascinating and interesting to see how, how Ramirez gets on in the, well, for the remainder of this year and then into next year. So the other fight that I was on the card that I was interested in watching, which I watched the following morning, uh, was Guido Vianello, the heavyweight, coming back and getting a stoppage victory to go to 7-0, seven knockouts. Now, he's a fighter that Sam Jones, uh, for anybody who doesn't know who Sam Jones is, he's the manager uh, slash promoter of Joe Joyce. And he's got a few other fighters in his stable. And he likes to talk the talk. We've spoke about him previously when Joe Joyce fought Bermain Stavern. Uh, he was kicking off in the press conferences. People might say he's a bit of a loud mouth. I think he's just a mouthpiece. We've talked about this in the past. Anyway, back to Vianello, back to his performance. Great victory for, for Vianello in this fight. Great uppercut, which drops his opponent in the... It was in the first round, and he went on to get that victory. And for me... He's another guy who people are saying we need to watch out for him. Do I think he's going to go on to do something significant in the heavyweight division? I think at the moment it's difficult to say, but I think if they want to put him forward a bit more and start to get him some more difficult fights, I think they can do that now. I think they can. He's 26. He's got a few good good few years ahead of him yet, but I think if they want him to go on to to the big leagues, they're going to have to start stepping his opposite because he's getting rid of them in emphatic fashion. And for me, 
when a fighter's doing that, you need to be starting to up the levels of what is in the opposite corner against them. So there's no point of them fighting 15 guys that are going to be knocked over quite easily. And this is what we need for a guy like Vianello. What did you, again, what did you make of Vianello's performance? I was, it was I, see, I literally just see the knockout as well. I didn't see anything else uh, saying that it didn't last very long. So the knockout was obviously the highlight. Um, great knockout by him um, against a guy with a, a winning record, which is something I always look at in the early days. He fought a lot of guys with winning records. Sometimes, you know, especially over here with our youngsters in the domestic route, in the British level, we... We tend to stick in with some journeymen who've had like sort of 200, 300 fights sort of at this point. I mean, uh, for me, I, you, you want him back out next month. You want him back out the next three three months and to finish the year, get his 10 and 0, um, hopefully with 10 knockouts. And then in 2021, as you say, make that step up. Um, he's a guy that, I think I think after 10 pro fights at the time when they need to, 9, 10, depends how good they believe that he is. I mean, just his amateur career was pretty... Uh, average, uh, 19 wins, 16 defeats. Um, he had the one knockout loss as well and no knockouts as well. I mean, the amateur game is different, but as heavyweights, you'd expect a couple of knockouts. So I'm not quite sure if he's that much of a big puncher, but then he's gone into the pro games and knocked loads of people out. So um, it, it depends. I mean, those amateur guys who's fought were probably a lot better than the guys who's fought in the pro games. So it's important they do up their level. They need to be looking at Maybe a couple of journeys. Well, one thing you don't really see as well is they don't, especially over in America where he's fighting, was he fight, residing in Vegas, isn't he? So, well, he's from uh, Roma in, in Italy. Um, uh, again, uh, it's tricky to see. He's, he's, you know, he's nowhere, he's nowhere near um, sort of like a Daniel Dubois or a Nathan Gorman even. But um, he's a guy that I think you're right. He needs to be fast tracked and hopefully they can push him on. And 26 years old, by the time he's 27, he needs to be. Um, looking in that sort of European route for me. I agree. I agree with you on that one. So I wanted to move on then and go to the, the, the main event, the headline event, which was Shakur Stevenson returning up at super featherweight against Felix Carballo. Now, this was quite interesting that he'd moved up for this particular fight to super featherweight, and I'm not too sure what the background was as to why he moved to featherweight. Is it because he didn't meet the weight in time, so he's had to aim for super featherweight? I'm not 100% sure on that, and I'm sure there's people that can certainly shed a bit of light on that one. But, obviously, he comes back. He's a talented fighter. We know this. There's been a lot of fights put on the table for him over the past 12 months. One in particular that interests the UK fighter fans is a fight with Josh Warrington, which is still being spoke about post this victory on Tuesday night. Now, I felt like he looked pretty good in that particular bout, but again, he's only as good as the person that's put in front of him. And with all due respects to Carballo, I don't think he was near that particular level. I don't think Carballo had had any major victories on his record, although he was coming off the back of a five-fight winning streak for me. It didn't really show in that particular fight. I wonder the level of fighters who he was in the ring with before he got in with Stevenson because Stevenson made him, to me, look a little bit little bit average. And Stevenson went on to, to obviously stop him with a great body shot in the sixth round and pick up that victory. And I think the question that I pose after the back of this fight is, where does he go? Who does he fight? These are the two questions that I think we want to discuss. And the first person that springs to mind is, of course, Josh Warrington. Same, same with me. I, I didn't realise he had fought at super featherweight until um, after. I just assumed he was fine at featherweight. I, I didn't know too much about Felix uh, Carabello either. So, you know, I, what can I say? Really, I just assumed um, he was going to be def- sort of defending his title. And so, so no title on the line, obviously, fine at super featherweight. 
Um, so I, I sort of had a look. I mean, it, uh, one thing I loved about Stevenson is the fact that he went to the body. And I love that. And I think that's something that some fighters today don't necessarily do too often. And I think Stevenson, to finish him off to the body, is, uh, those two consecutive body punches is just fantastic. I love that. I just It's just something I love to see. Something we had to see when we do our, I'll keep going back to it, when we do our legendary nights and stuff, and we, I watch all these old fights. These guys used to work the body. And sometimes, you know, I mean, we see it with Ricky Hatton. I mean, my God, devastating body puncher. And, and if he could add that to his armour, he's, he's one to look out for. I mean, the fact that he's fought a super featherweight, I did see something where Stephen Stevenson has previously explained that he has a desire to win world titles in four weight divisions. So I'm wondering if he just wanted to sort of stick his feet in the water at, sort of south, uh, at, um, at super featherweight and just see how he got on. Obviously, he got on really well. Um, so it's interesting. I, I really don't know. I'm hoping he comes back down, obviously, defends his title. Um, his manager is Andre Ward, um, and he actually they, they asked him about facing Warrington, and, and Andre Ward said Stevenson won't just beat you; he can embarrass you. No fighter wants to be embarrassed. They see that in Shikoro. I respect his desire to go to the UK. I support his desire. So I'm not quite sure. Is he saying that Stevenson will go over there and fight him? I'm guessing so. Um, so hopefully. That means some, you know, someone's planted something in his head and he's like, I oh, will go to Britain and I'll fight Josh Warrington. And hopefully that happens. I mean, that'd be, that'd be brilliant. I mean, that'd be an Ellen Road fight, an outdoor stadium. Obviously, we, we'll see what happens if anyone will actually be in it. So uh, that might not work in Warrington's favour, I'm not sure. But uh, I, I, I'm a big fan of Stevenson. You know, was it Bob Aaron called the South Fourth Floyd Mayweather? And he thinks he's going to be a major star. And, and to be fair, I, you know, I have my problems with Bob Aaron sometimes, but I don't think he can be far wrong. I think I think Shakur Stevenson could well be an elite fighter in a couple of years. We'll see, won't we? And I think it'll be interesting to see where where he does go over the next twelve months. Now, the only thing with obviously titles being on on the line is it's dependent upon in where in the world coronavirus is hitting so hard where some of the restrictions are being lifted. Now, I know, especially in the UK yeah. in particular, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in a few moments, but. There's going to be a situation where titles may not be able to be defended for certain periods of time, not because of the fighters' inactivity, but because of the fact that the regulations don't allow it because there is only so many judges and so many people to be allowed at ringside. And in title fights, you have to have so many officials to be there present to be able to officiate the bout overall. So that's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. However... I move on and look at the schedule for the next week or so. And obviously in some parts of the world, there are titles that are going to be on the line. In America, on the fights that we were saying that we're not going to be able to cover because they're happening as we record the episode, there's one particular title, the NABF featherweight title, which is on the line, as Adam Lopez takes his on Lewis Correa on the undercard of Jesse Magdaleno. Now, for me, certain parts of the world, you're going to be able to do it because the restrictions are not that bad. And certain parts of the world, it's going to be a very long time before we do that. So we'll discuss that a little bit more and how that's going to affect British boxing shortly once we've covered what's coming up in the next few days with boxing. So as I said, Magdaleno's back. Uh, Hopefully, he'll be back with a win. He's obviously only got that one loss on his record, of course, uh, as we've seen a few... A few, a couple of years ago against Isaac Dogbay, one of our favourites who we enjoyed watching, uh, who came unstuck, obviously, against Navarrete. But this is another card that's on. People are really looking forward to seeing boxing back. It's only a short four-fight card. Um, I'm going to catch up with it myself the next day because I'm not going to be staying up to the early hours to watch it. As much as I, I'm a hardcore boxing fan, I love boxing. 
I've got children and I've still got a job to do at home. I've still got to get up in the morning and act like I'm working <laughs> as I normally would do. So I'm not going to be able to catch up with it until tomorrow, of course. But other fights that are happening then, Johnston, the one in particular that stands out to me is the Battle of the Journeyman in Poland. Marius Vak and Kevin Johnson are going at it for the vacant Republic of Poland international heavyweight title in a pay-per-view event, which is very surprising. For It's only about £3.60 or something like that in, in UK money. But really, pay-per-view, Kevin Johnson, Marius Vak, both gatekeepers over the past couple of years. Are, re- are really people going to want to watch this? I mean, casual people and hardcore fans are probably not going to watch this, but it's in Poland, so Marius Vak's got his Polish fight fans behind him and I think that's probably why it's going to end up selling well. Yeah, I think I think the most of Poland are probably going to jump on this and then Maris Watch is going to it will probably get himself a bit of money. Um yeah, I've, it's not a fight that obviously moves me. Uh, I don't really know what happens with either. Whoever wins or loses, I'm sure they'll probably just continue. Kevin Johnson a few years ago, I'll say a few years ago, probably about 8 years ago. Um, probably knocking on a decade, I would have said that he was a fighter that uh, I quite enjoyed watching. Uh, today, he just seems to just want to go in there and just sort of stand there and get hit. Hopefully, he um, he does a little bit more and uh, tries to tries to attack what. But again, the trouble is, is, is with it being in Poland, um, I don't know. Maybe he's just seen it as a pay per view event. Even if it's a few quid, he's going to earn a few bob from it. Maybe because there's nobody there. Maybe there's something that other. Um, promoters may look at you're not going to get any money from selling tickets so maybe we could put fights on pay-per-view but for like as you say like a few quid like a fiver or something people might actually want to pay that um i mean it's not probably not a bad idea because obviously there ain't who knows how long it's going to be until we can actually go to a fight i mean i'm guessing that's not going to happen until next year probably after christmas um probably yeah it's it's, it's not a fight that jumps out michelle <laughs> um but um Again, it's live boxing. Um, if I if I can stream it, I will. <laughs> so uh, I, I will definitely be trying, just because I want to see some fights. So uh, yeah, uh, it's just great for it to be back, and I can't wait. As I say, until we get the big fights and get that feeling of having those big fights again. Uh, but um, yeah, it, it, it do for now. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it because uh, hopefully I'll be. Out. I'm sure I can stream it somewhere. I'm sure there'll be someone that can send me a link and I can stream it. But uh, yeah, I, I, it doesn't really do anything for me. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't for me. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you and be honest with the listeners. And, and as much as I love boxing, I'm not sticking around to watch this. Uh, no matter where the people <laughs> sit there and say, "Oh, you're a boxing fan. You run a podcast. You do this and that." I'm not going to sit there and watch a fight between two guys that are way past the best, that are gatekeepers, that you want to pay for. I'm not even going to sit there and try and find a stream to watch it. I'm not interested in watching it. I I have absolutely no interest in watching the fight. As much as I love boxing, as much as I want to see it, I'd much (laughs) rather go and watch a fight from 20 years ago, study the fight and enjoy something that maybe I've never caught before rather than watch this. And it's no disrespect to the fighters. I'm not having a go at them. At the end of the day, they're out to make a few quid and I honestly can't fault them for doing that because at the end of the day, with what coronavirus has done to the world, the way it's going to impact boxing as a whole going forward, you're going to try and take the money where you can get it. Let's be honest. These guys and girls have got to go out there and try and get the money where they can. And I think that kind of leads me on to another talking point, which we was alluding to a bit earlier, about how boxing has changed and how it's probably 
going to change over the foreseeable, well, over the next 12 months to the foreseeable future. And in particular, for British boxing, as British fighter fans, as British podcasters, we obviously love all the small hole stuff that goes on, all the fighters that we see coming through the ranks, progressing, fighting the journeyman, stepping up to British level, stepping up to European level. We love watching them. But the problem is at the moment is that there's not going to be a lot of shows on in the UK. And the only shows that you're probably going to find are going to be are the ones we're going to talk about in a little while. The fight camps that Eddie Hearns announced to do. And obviously the rescheduled bouts that were supposed to happen over the past couple of weeks with Terry Harper and Natasha Jonas and Savannah Marshall's world title as well. So the small hall shows in Britain are really going to badly suffer for this because the guys out there, the promoters out there on the small hall level, obviously pay so much to get the show together. The fighters have got to sell so many tickets. And the problem with that is people are not going to want to go and sit in a small hall venue in a leisure centre or a York Hall, which is really tiny and quite compact, with the risk of issues with coronavirus and the fact that social distancing measures are still in place. How are they going to manage that? How many people are they going to be able to get in a venue? Is it only going to be the officials that are going to be able to get in the venue? So what happens to the small hall fighters now with the guys that go out there and have to sell the tickets and deliver the tickets and make so much just to cover the cost of the opponent. For me, that's the biggest issue now in British boxing. Not the AJ Fury fight. This is the biggest, the grassroots level because of the fact that these guys that have either turned over or are partway through the career with so much potential, some of them might never be able to get the career restarted because of this now. Yeah, it's going to be tricky, isn't it? It's going to be really hard for them. Um, They're definitely going to have a big gap and... You know, how do you, as you say, I mean, the smaller shows, they just, they, they, they live off of it. Uh, they, they break even several more times than not, I'm sure. Um, and, and it's going to be really tough to get. Um, I don't really know how they're going to do it. I really don't. Until there's someone's developed a cure, which God knows when that's going to be. Um, I'm not too sure the social distancing will ever be removed, even sort of this time next year, unless, unless, unless there's a cure. Um or something that can at least stop it or slow it down to the point where we're not losing people, people ain't dying anymore. Um, so, you know, you know, you've got to look at it in that respect in terms of, you know, the safety of the fans. Obviously, you're not going to, they're not going to be able to go to these fights and these small halls are going to really suffer badly. And, you know, we're hearing through all these other businesses that people are getting made redundant, people are losing jobs, people are, companies are crashing and I just hope that, I'm sure it won't, you know, it will come back to something at some point, but it's just, the careers of certain fighters, they're going to stall and it could affect them badly. Um, I mean, the one thing I was thinking, I mean, this is just off the top of my head, River, I mean, you could stick a ring somewhere like a big car car park somewhere and just have cars come in and watch fights. I mean, I'm not quite sure how that would work. This is just something I literally thought of one day when, like, during this pandemic you know, and they were talking about open-air cinemas and I thought maybe there's something they could do in boxing, stick a, a ring in a massive car park, there's several around, um, just use their plot of land and people just drive their cars in. Um, I'm not, I'll be honest with you, it's literally probably a crazy idea, but um, they, they've got to think about these sort of weird things. You've got to just think out of the box and uh, to try and get these up and coming fighters some publicity. So it's going to be really interesting and really interesting and, and I feel for them because it's, it's going to be tough for them all. Well, this is what leads nicely into, obviously, Eddie Hearn's proposals then. Eddie Hearn's obviously proposed to stage a fight camp at his big-ass mansion, uh, not too far from London. Now, the proposals are to get a big ring, get a canopy over it, 
get a social distancing going on and get some of these big fights that we was waiting for, i.e. White versus Povetkin, Harper versus Jonas, get them all on this fight camp over the course of July and August. There's fights that he's talked about on other podcasts that he heard about Sam Eggington versus Ted Cheeseman. You know, these are the types of fights that he's looking to try and put on over a, a four to six week period between July and August. And to be honest with you, I wouldn't be against the idea of it happening as long as it can be done in a safe environment and it can be done in a proper manner, then of course, I'm all for it. Eddie Hearn's not going to do it unless he knows it's going to work and also, on the other sense, it's going to make him some money out of it as well. Of course, that's the only other reason of it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he's, he's very conscious about the safety of the fighters and the officials, of course, but ultimately, it's going to be about whether he can put it on, how much is it going to cost him and also... Is it going to make him any money off the back of it as well? And these are obviously the types of things that they're going to have to consider. And they're also looking at placing fighters and all the fight night personnel in a local hotel for five days prior to the contest. So they're looking at ways around doing it. But is it is it the right thing to do? Is it is it rushing boxing back? Or is it a case of being innovative and getting boxing back to the fight fans? In a safe and in a safe and a, and a, and a possible way, where we're still going to get these big fights that we want to see in Britain. I think I think you know you've got to be clever with it. You've got to think outside the box. Um, as, as I mentioned, the flipping car park with cars. I mean, crazy idea, but I mean that idea probably sounds a little bit more sensible from from Eddie. Um, as long as obviously there is social distancing, etc. You know, the safety of of the fans is, is paramount, but um, and the fighters, obviously everybody, but. If it's something you can do, then great. I mean, I mean, we, we just spoke about Poland having a, a cheap pay-per-view. Maybe that's something, again, the smaller hall shows can do. There's enough technology today where there's enough, you can get enough cameras. It's not, it's quite easy to do that. You can set it up all around the ring and they could do something online and you just literally, like, like if you're on YouTube, you click on it, you literally use your fingerprint, you pay three quid for it. You know, if, if a fighter can get people to encourage people to do that to watch their fights so they can get some money in their pocket that's, I mean that's another alternative we have you know the internet is, it can be used in a very very good way and I think again I mean there are ways of doing it instead of paying for it to can go into a fight you just pay three quid four quid just to watch this fight online just to as I say to get some money I mean end of the day you just got to think of different ways at this time at this moment in time um, and then um you know, hopefully, I'm sure there will be a moment when we'll all be able to just enjoy a big fight. Um, and again, I think that's something they're probably conscious about when they're talking about Fury Joshua. Is they want to? I think now with what's happened, I'm sure they're probably thinking we, we need to get this fight on. Nobody knew this was going to happen. You know, people hold out for too long for fights. We've seen it. I mean, the old Bob Aaron famous quote about marinating. I mean, it's something he's famous for. I think maybe now he may realise that sometimes he might not be able to marinate because we might get a pandemic or World War Three might kick off. Who knows what's going to happen from one day to the next? So it's important that when guys are in their prime, they fight each other. Something we've been saying for a long time. I think the one thing I will say, though, with the coronavirus issue and there not being any crowds, is I'm hoping the judging will be better because obviously the <laughs> judges now are not, should not be influenced by the crowd. So I wonder if we might actually see better judging during this period, I don't know. I mean, it's just another thought that I was thinking when I was uh, caught the highlights of, of Stevenson the other night. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting topic to bring up because it's one that's very debatable. It comes up quite a lot, especially on fight nights where it's been a really, really bad scorecard or a, a bad decision or the, the judges, you think to yourself, what are the hell are they watching? And this is a, a really good point. 
These guys sit at ringside, as we've said many times, with a crowd behind them. Sometimes the, the view is not fully the same view you would get on the telly. And I think this is a conversation that I've had many a times with different people on social media about when you sit at ringside, it's totally different than sitting and watching it and judging it on the telly. Would it be better to sit and judge it from a, a different perspective? Of course, because you, you might not have any of the outside influences. But then it takes away the whole rules and regulation that the British Boxing Board of Control put into place about the officials being there at ringside to be able to judge a fight. Will the crowd make a difference? Well, of course, it'll make a difference in terms of spurring the fighters on, of course. Will it make a difference to the judges? Possibly. It'd be very interesting to see how some of these fights do get scored and if there are any really close fights that come up over the next six months where you think to yourself oh this could go either way and it is a close scorecard and you think actually the judges have got it right even if maybe you didn't agree on the actual winner of the fight but it could have been argued either way people are more accepting of that we're more accepting of that as fight fans if you get that card where you see a Tyrone McKenna get beaten by a Mohamed Mamoume but yet get a wide scorecard in his favour and get the victory, you sit there thinking, what the hell were these guys watching? Why is nothing been done about it? We've had this debate many a times. We've gone into it really deep about how we think things could be changed, how it could go forward. But it's a very valid point going forward with no fans at boxing. How will it work? Will it make things better? Only time's going to tell, of course, because we'll see whether some of them fights get scored any better if they're close. And then if fans do start to come back in the arenas, the stadiums or or wherever it may be, the small hall leisure centres, we'll see then how much of an impact it really, really does have. Having them fans there, having that influence there, having them people there. Because remember, at ringside on a fight night, you've got your camera crews, you've got your photographers, and there's usually a plethora of them, and you've got all of the people in and around the ringside area. So there's a lot going on at ringside on a fight night, a a hell of a lot, and you could quite easily be distracted. Now, the judges are obviously very well trained to be able to block that out, but with some of the really piss-poor scorecards we've seen over the past couple of years, it makes you wonder whether a lot of them outside influence have been a problem. So, yeah, I I am curious to see, and it's it's a very valid point as to how things will move forward with boxing and with judging. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's something that we, we've obviously been quite passionate about, something a lot of people are passionate about on social media, of course. So thanks for bringing that up because I'm sure there'll be people that will come out there and have their own interpretations of how they things can be changed. So that's, that's for me, sort of summarising a lot of what we've kind of missed out on without doing any of these episodes over the past 12 weeks. We've obviously had our episodes, we've covered certain, topical subjects we've had obviously the little olympic mini series because we've got no olympics this year as a result of the coronavirus so we've really enjoyed it i'm just glad that we're able to sit down once more and and really sort of hash out some of this news and, and some of these fights that we've got back and i'm just generally happy that boxing's back now there's one more topic that i think we've got to speak about it We've got to speak about it. It's one that's absolutely sweeping the world at the moment. And I'm not going to go too politically in. I just want to get an opinion on it. I am talking about the Black Life Matters protests that have been going on across the world. And I'm not here to make judgment on the protests. I'm not here any of what's going on at the moment. I'm not here to do that. My opinion is on Anthony Joshua as a black man, as a fighter, as a representative to his culture and his heritage. 
and the speech that he's passed to read out and the result of that and the aftermath of him reading that speech out that somebody else had written by the way and then how that has created a huge backlash for him so much so that anybody i've seen that was once an anthony joshua fan now wants to see tyson fury knock him out yeah um it's 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 it's, it's a really awful time at the minute it's very political it's very difficult to actually um put a point of view on anything at the moment um what happened uh, in America to George Friend is, is quite simply just just barbaric. It's just disgusting. Um, I, it's just it's just awful uh, that it happened. Um, and, and I sort of say, you know, for those that want to protest peacefully, 100% behind that. For those that demonstrate, you know, um, again, I'm behind that. Um, but you, people have to remember that, you know, demonstrations can be powerful, but, uh, you know... The, the memory of it, will, will, people will forget, unfortunately. You can have a really strong demonstration with the statue in Bristol. But uh, it, it will be around for now, everyone's talking about it, and then people just do forget, unfortunately. Um, I think I think the one thing we need is, is not necessarily demonstrations, it's peaceful protests and education. I think that's the one thing we all need. Uh, clearly, there are some very uneducated people out there, and I think probably the guy past the speech to Anthony Joshua was was a bit naive and probably not very educated himself because I think some of the words that Anthony Joshua said I don't necessarily agree with. Um, I'm a fan of Joshua. I'm not going to really change that. I think I think the other thing for me that sprang to mind was the fact that he fought in Saudi Arabia. They had huge, huge stuff going on out there and he refused to sort of mention it and discuss it. Um, I get the fact that, you know, it matters to him because obviously he's a black male and the stuff that's going on. Um, he felt like he needed to speak out. But why did he not speak out about what's happening in Saudi Arabia? There's still people too. Um, at the end of the day, it's very political. It's, it's very difficult to actually say anything. I mean, I'm, the craziness of the whole thing is, I mean, me as a person, uh, in my, my, my society that I live in, it doesn't, I don't give a monkey toss what colour you are, what, what creed you are, what sex you are. It makes no difference to me. Um, it really doesn't. It's just a matter of the person you are. And that's me because I've been educated on it and I understand it. I'm not racist or sexist in any other way. And I think people just literally, I think they just need some education. They really do. And, and I, I mean, I can't even, even with the protests, some of the protests have got out of hand. The ones on the news, obviously, with their mention on the news, they obviously make it to be like every protest is going to be a, a huge fight. I think people just need to be sensible. People need to just understand that people have got their views and they want to stand up for what they believe in. And I think that's absolutely right. And um, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm with you with Henry Joshua thing. I think he's lost a lot of fans by what he said. It's unfortunate he hasn't lost me as a fan. I see him as a person, uh, you know, as a person and as a boxer in the ring. Completely different. Sometimes it can be grey areas where sometimes you, you just dislike somebody for something they've said. I think the people have to remember that what what Anthony Joshua said. Has he said anything as worse as what Tyson Fury said when he spoke about Jess Ennis and about women? But you've got to get it all in perspective. People are jumping on a bandwagon. I think people just need to calm down. And I think they just need to just um, reassess, adjust. They've all been at home with their families, probably itching to get out. And, and every, this happens. It's just it's just crazy. I mean, it's not a political show. We are all boxing related. It's just an opinion from me, an opinion from you, Sean. And yeah, it is just really troubling to watch, really. And I mean, I've got a young three-year-old. It's free, free on Monday. And um, I, I do wonder what society is going to be sort of brought up in sometimes. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite scary, to be honest with you. It's, it's a very difficult situation. I feel like 2020s have been a complete write-off 
First, we've had, obviously, bushfires in Australia. Then we've got the coronavirus pandemic, which has killed hundreds of thousands of people across the whole world. Now we've got rioting going on. I mean, what's next this year? I mean, it makes you wonder whether the next is going to be an alien invasion in the summer sometime, because <laughs> this year doesn't seem to be going the way everybody thought it was going to be. It's ridiculous. And in terms of my thoughts on, obviously, everything that's been going on, my, my initial thoughts, seeing everybody on social media going back and forth uneducated people educated people people with very strong views on certain particular incidents i think it's it's going to an extreme where it could potentially create more harm than it is doing any good unfortunately i think it's going to potentially create more racial divide than actually a unity which is such a shame anthony joshua as a fighter is great representation of the sport is a great representation uh, of what he does he's a role model yeah he's made a few comments he's had his instagram supposedly hacked and talked about being the superior race okay right he's had his own comments about that he's got his own thoughts about it he's read a speech out which talks about not wanting to go into certain people's shops doesn't specifically highlight which person's shops it could be or which colour or which creed it just specifically says don't go in their shops and don't spend your money there blah 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 but at the end of the day he's standing up for what he believes in the the protest that he was at in Watford was peaceful they weren't going around ripping statues down they weren't going around throwing bricks at horses they weren't going around throwing bikes at horses yes The police can be heavy-handed. The police need to deal with it internally. They need to deal with their issues internally to to, how to handle certain situations like this. Of course they do. But I don't dislike Anthony Joshua as a result of a speech that he's read out, which someone else has passionately written. He's got a platform. He's been given some words to put out on on his platform because they knew the cameras would be on him. They knew it would go viral on social media. If he's confident in what he's saying, he feels passionate about what he's saying in there then that's fair enough he's got the right to do that freedom of speech is something that is slowly getting killed off by all the political correctness that goes on in the world no one is allowed to say anything anymore tv shows are now being removed from the air because they might have had something in them which could have offended somebody ludicrous absolutely it feels like the world's going mad sometimes you start to feel like stop the world i want to get off because you wonder what the future does hold for your children. It is scary. But going back to Anthony Joshua, do I dislike him because of what he said? No, I don't dislike him because of what he said. He's standing up for what he believes in. I don't think it was aimed at any particular person, any particular race. I think it was comments that were made by somebody else that he's read out. Maybe, naively, he should have thought about it before he said it, but in the moment he said it, there's nothing we can do. As you've rightly pointed out, Tyson Fury said bad things before. Other people in boxing have done bad things and said bad things before. I mean, look at the darker side of boxing, the podcast which we do. Look at what happens on that. Look at the murders. Look at the suicides. Look at all the shit that we speak about that goes on, the barbaric shit. For me, that in comparison is is just a pinch of salt in compared to some of the stuff that we spoke about on our darker side of boxing series. So, no, I'm not going to dislike the guy because of it. Is it going to change my opinion of who I want to win, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua? Of course it doesn't, because I've always said that Tyson Fury is going to beat him no matter what. So I'm really, <laughs> really looking forward to, to what happens on the back of it. But again, 
we're not a political podcast. We're not here to say what we think should happen and how it should happen. That's not about, we're not about that. So if anybody obviously listens to it and thinks, oh, well, they've got an opinion on this. We haven't. We've not got an opinion on, we're, we're, we're happy that people are standing up for what they believe, for God's sake. At the end of the day, you've got freedom of speech and you've got your rights to do that. Everybody does that. I wouldn't want someone telling me how I couldn't do this or couldn't do that. No way. But I'd do it peacefully. I wouldn't go down ripping stuff down, regardless of, of what the significance of it is. I wouldn't go do that and start looting and rioting and all that. That's not the way to get things done, unfortunately. All it's going to do is put an even worse light on that particular person or that particular set of protesters. That's all it's going to do. So, yeah, I'm sorry that I've we've kind of rambled on a little bit about it, but I think it's prevalent and it relates to boxing yeah. because of Anthony Joshua and I felt like it needed to be addressed. This is the first time I've said anything about it on any type of social media channel. And this is the only thing I will say about it because I've got much more important things to do in my life than than to, to, to worry about certain things that are going on that I can't control. So that's... Absolutely, mate. I couldn't agree with you more. And, and I think I think um, just just watching something recently, we've we done Legendary Nights on uh, Joe Lewis. And uh, Joe Lewis was... Uh, he was uh, an expression of, of the, the black culture the black society of his time and uh, one guy actually said a speech when he spoke of well, he said a, a, a comment when he uh, spoke of joe lewis and he said that joe lewis was the violent non-violent way of expressing ourselves because for them they followed him and when he won they won and i think that is something that that oh i just thought of from from the other from when i was watching on the news that's how you, you've got to be peaceful with it. The knee, going down on one knee, I think that's, that's terrific. Hopefully that continues. They're doing it in football. I think hopefully that's something they bring into every football match when it starts up. Um, just, it needs to be peaceful. It does. Violence stems violence and it will continue to be violent. Um, I thought you need to make, somebody needs to have a clear head and understand that there are ways of doing things that makes people understand. Obviously education is a huge part of that. And peaceful demonstrations will last forever. They will. They will. They will always be a memory. But demonstrations, demonstrations, they will be forgotten as well. So, you know, I just think it needs to be. People just need to channel their aggression. I think. I think the fact that everyone's been in, been at home under this coronavirus now, and they're out protesting, people have just gone a little bit mad, um, <laughs> and people have lost their way a little bit. I mean, the looting. That, that, that I see them. Some of them videos. You can send me the videos, and you know, it's just disgraceful. And and these people have no fault. Of, of George Friend whatsoever. No fault for him. All they want, all they're out for is themselves to pick up a pair of trainers or whatever. And it is nothing to do with what happened. They're just jumping on the bandwagon and using it as an opportunity for themselves. That's what we don't want. We need, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it together and you're going to do it peacefully. And you're going to, as you say, an expression of speech is important. This isn't a political show. We are, obviously, but we've got to keep bringing this back to boxing side. We are talking about it because of Joshua. He said something that people didn't like, but um, so is so is Fury for me. Um, it's just very, it's a very touchy subject at the moment. And I think people just, I don't know, on social media, I don't even go near it. I see it and I ain't even going to comment on it. Yeah, I, I get my, home, my own house in order. That's the main thing for me. And I'm sure you're the same, Sean. So, uh, yeah, let's just calm down. And then, you know, hopefully uh, that guy gets prosecuted. I mean, for one, he's going to get done for murder. And hopefully there is some sort of, flaming change in America but that is another problem America with Trump I mean the guys he's just something else I mean they've got a huge problem in that country I'm flipping pleased I'm not in that country I'm living here because I think we're a little bit more sensible than they are over there 
Well, it's just crazy to think of the fact that at one point in history, Donald Trump actually had a massive influence in the boxing. And it's crazy yeah. to think about where he is now and, and obviously the sort of shit that he's causing over in America. But it's been it's been an eventful episode. I've really enjoyed coming back and listening to your thoughts on what's been going on unboxing-wise and the fights that we've heard about, the potential fights in the future, the fight camps, how boxing is going to be changed over the next 12 months to two years, potentially, how it's going to affect boxing on the small hall scene. And, of course, giving our views on the Anthony Joshua speech and how it's obviously the whole world seems to have been affected by one injustice after another and one tragedy after another. And as I said, it wouldn't surprise me if in July we get an alien invasion because that's the only <laughs> thing that we're missing from 2020 at the moment. It seems like we've had everything else so far this year and an alien invasion is the only thing we don't seem to have bleeding ads. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Hopefully things will calm down in July. Things will start to get, go down. Things will start to get better in the world boxing will return we will get some great fights coming on in terms of what we're producing at the moment of course for the btr boxing podcast main feed we will cover previews and reviews of shows as and when they return in the meantime what we will be doing is we will be doing some more special one-off episode with topics relating to of course certain aspects of boxing history which we really thoroughly enjoy covering now if you do want to keep getting your boxing fix from our podcast network you can do that by checking out all the available podcasts that we've got out there so we've got the darker side of boxing which is one of the innovative ideas that we came up with a few months ago which we're really thoroughly thoroughly enjoying doing it's a very grim and dark subject that we're covering when it comes down to true crime and boxing but it's been really enjoyable for us to go down into that rabbit hole and find out more about things that we didn't know as much about before. So if you've not checked out that series yet, go and check it out. We've got Sonny Liston's episode, we've got The Curse of Carlos Monzon, and we're just about to drop the Edwin Valero episode, so go and check that out. Legendary Nights, of course, is still there and still kicking. We're coming towards the end of the first season. We've got one more episode to do, which is Rafael Marquez versus Israel Vasquez, and then once we've wrapped up the season, we will be back in a couple of months with that. And we've still got Career Profiles, of course, which we've just released Alexis Arguello on so please go and check out all the various different podcasts that can go and check out all the content because it's keeping a lot of you fight fans happy at the moment because we're getting some great feedback off everybody so appreciate all the guys that have been coming to us sending us messages giving us all sorts of topics that they want us to discuss and cover and fights we really appreciate it so as again at the top of the episode, if you want to go and follow us, you can do it at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and the BTR Boxing Podcast Network on Facebook. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or any available podcasting app out there. It's been a pleasure as always, Johnson. Thanks very much for yeah, coming pleasure. on, covering the episode. Some great topical debates for this episode. For fight fans, we'll see you on the next episode of BTR Boxing Podcast very soon. Podcast Network. 
I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.